Okay? If you're that unicorn guy, get off unicorns and do something else. The it garlic doesn't... oyster sauce. Yes. <laughs> those was guys. was actually really good. I'm telling you right now, those guys, radical effects, unbelievable beer. Um, try beer with garlic. That is a really short search. You know, in, in our app. Do Maybe that's a goal stuff. for next year is have more, more than one, one garlic, garlic beer. <laughs> we should just give an award. That's garlic beer. That's, that's garlic beer. That, that seems very on brand. <laughs> so it's just, it's that notion of do, get out of your comfort zone. stumbled on into the tap takeover podcast as the long days of summer wane our thoughts turn to the event of the year the second weekend of august brings us what we all wait for the great taste of the midwest one of the premier beer festivals in all of america and nay the world <laughs> though i've never been really much outside the american and we are once again lucky to have with us today jason and fred really curators of great taste and to tell us all about this year and i'm sure we're going to hear a bunch of changes as we've been coming out of the before times so we are here today with me jim my name's alex i'm fred with uh, the great taste of the midwest fred swanson Jason Walters, chairman of the Great Taste of the Midwest. Awesome. So this is probably fourth or fifth year we've sat down with you guys. Yep. Uh, a little brief interlude there in uh, 2020, but uh, it's great to be back with you guys sitting down and, and talking about our favorite day of the year. I, I know this is a big day for you guys as well, but for us beer drinkers, it just does not get any better than the Great Taste of the Midwest. That's so, why we do it. Is was our first one at the ALS level, or was that our second yes, one? So it was. Uh, yeah, we wanted to bring that up. because. Uh, some we wanted to pour one out for for some homies Seriously, today. We're gonna have a, we're gonna toast. But yeah, our, our very first interview with you guys. Uh, yeah, they were our, our very grateful hosts, and they did a fantastic job. They've done a fantastic job right. brewing beer, hosting. You know anybody that's ever come through Wisconsin, uh, come through the Madison area. I'm sure you've made it a destination to uh, stop in Ale Asylum. So we were very very disappointed, disheartened, sad to hear that uh, they were closing up shop. Uh, end of an era. Uh, if you guys ha- have some nice words for uh, for the folks over there, they've treated us very well over the years. Absolutely. It's kind of funny that we were upstairs there and we're downstairs at Vino, etc. and I'll kind of walk today. So we've kind of bookended it a little bit with a second story and then a basement uh, event. <laughs> yeah, sorry to see them go. You know, we've all spent a lot of time there over the years and enjoyed their beer and it's sad. It's exceptionally sad because they were one of the industry leaders. And because this is such a public-facing, consumer-driven kind of uh, group um, as far as manufacturing goes, you know, ladders are not as exciting. Um, you know, people that manufacture shelving, et cetera, et cetera. But when you make craft beverage alcohol, people talk about you. And, and the industry has changed since they started. So I am so not interested in having a conversation about why. And speculating any about that, I'm more interested in the fact that a bunch of my really good friends are searching for employment at this point in time. And they were an industry leader, and they're one of the lead blockers, not only in the in the Madison area, but certainly in Wisconsin and the Midwest. So we're all sad to see them go. We all stand on b- b- their big shoulders in many cases. Yeah, I'll tell you, when we first started the podcast, that we were overjoyed uh, when they agreed to be on with us. You know, that was a that was a big get for us, and uh, we had a fantastic time sitting down with them, telling you know, helping to tell their story. They 
they, they will be missed. They will be missed in the industry. Absolutely. I mean, we've got some stories from early days. We were making a road trip and stopped out by Alison, one of the many uh, breweries that we went to that day, including uh, Angelic. This is how far back it goes. <laughs> and they were they were great to work with uh, and just drink at the time. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, let's uh, let's segue into uh, talking about our current host. So we are sitting down here in the basement at uh, Vino Etc. I believe this is my first time, Jim's yep. first time, Jason's first Mine time too. here. Fred, why don't you tell us a little bit about this place? What I like about Vino Etc. is that it's in uh, it's in a really kind of curious, fun, interesting, wacky little spot in downtown Oconomowoc. Their back door looks out over the lake. The second story in the restaurant next door really looks out over the lake. They're also the Pedal Tavern guys. The backside of this building has Mullins Dairy Bar, so you can score an ice cream when you get off your kayak. <laughs> but they are as big a beer bar and whiskey bar as they are a wine group. So they've got uh, beer enthusiasts that meet here from the uh, from the area that are a club, as well as bourbon and whiskey enthusiasts that meet here. And they do buys and they do events and they're very supportive of all of us in the Midwest that are in uh, craft beverage alcohol production. So uh, some new changes, some uh, old developments kind of coming back this year. Let, let's talk about uh, the changes between you know, before times, uh, what you guys had to kind of go through last year to be able to put on an event, and uh, what you guys are kind of bringing back this year. We're really excited to to hear about it. Um, are, so just right off the bat, are we back to full size where it was three years ago? We absolutely are. We're going all green lights, full scale event. Uh, we're excited to have the full party back. You know, it was uh, we were lucky to be able to do an event last year, I think. Um, I think scaling it down was the right decision that we made early in the year. Absolutely. Um, you know, be- long before ticket sales, uh, you know, occurred. Um, with the information we had at the time, we all felt good about having that that half percent or half sized event, and it went really well. You know, I think people really appreciated being back at the park. <laughs> um, obviously, a lot of our friends couldn't come, and that was you know a little bit sad. But it was sure great to see the folks who were there and and return to some sense of normalcy after you know absolute craziness. But yeah, we're we're super excited to be back full strength this year. Beautiful Olin Turville Park once again. And, and spending a beautiful day outside, you know, enjoying craft beer with a lot of our great beer friends and family. Yeah, you know, I will say, though, uh, having been just a recent attendee, I've only been at the full-sized. Last year, it was actually kind of nice, in a way, <laughs> because I, I attended and hit every brewery, which uh, not only is not possible, is not recommended <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at I, normal size. Yeah. Well, I, I can't tell you how many times that I or any of our staff heard Man, this is great. There's, there's, there's so many less people in the park. Can we do this every year? <laughs> and and I that, was, <laughs> that was one of the big impetuses for this year's change was to really lean in hard for the organizational committee to really pay attention to that, okay, yep. and to learn from it and to not do it exactly because people weren't really asking us to do that. They were asking us, I think, I think Jason and I are certainly from the same mindset. They were asking us to really consider what that meant when we did a half-size event. And it was people that were new to it, people that had been a couple years, and people that had been for 30 years. 
So um, we made some changes based upon that to address that whole notion of spreading people out, making it a little less, uh, you know, elbow to elbow, making it uh, feel more comfortable, giving people a chance to shine if they were a small little brewery out of, say, Elkhorn, Wisconsin, that's coming for the first time, and really paying attention to the other people that want to bring a big show. Mm-hmm. Okay, and how do those? How does everybody feel like they've got a place as breweries? Okay, because we're looking first and foremost when we do organization, we're looking at breweries first. How does that work? Because once we take care of that, then we truly firmly believe that uh, attendees fall right in line with that. They'll see that event uh, shine because we're taking care of the breweries correctly. So there are people that want to bring a big show, and then there are people that really want to just be there for the first time, learn and showcase their beers, and get excited about that. Jason can kind of elaborate a little bit more, but one of the things that we're doing is is a pretty sizable change to uh, to the grounds this year. Yeah, so we're along those lines of you know having more elbow room. Um, we're expanding a little bit down to the soccer field area, oh, which wow. is an area we haven't really explored before. We've had our uh, presentation tent there um, and our courtesy gate entrance for brewery and volunteer staff, but that's a nice flat piece of ground it'd be really great place to to move some big setups and and a you know a large beer tent so you know it's, it's something that we've looked at for a few years you know like while we're setting up on thursday or friday we've wandered down to the soccer field and just looked at that space and kind of you know kind of gotten a feel like looking where the other tents are and just kind of trying to figure out how that would look <clears throat> what it would feel like and you know i i think with the extra space that we had last year we really took a much closer and detailed look at it this year of people sure liked having some extra space. How do we do that? Soccer field was an obvious talking point. So we really discussed it in earnest with our steering committee, the, you know, the planning group um, and our facilities uh, manager. And we thought it would work. You know, we, we really hashed it out, you know, over an evening and thought that it was, it was going to be a go. So we mapped it out looked at it and decided yeah it's something we want to do and we're feeling really good about it you know that space will have some of the big standalone you know breweries with a little bit bigger setups uh, we'll have a you know like a medium-sized uh, regular you know regular size beer tent down there as well we're returning with the presentation tent again this year which is always cool. exciting um, that's where my dad spends his entire day so you know that's a that's a nice uh, benefit i think or a perk that that we have at our festival and uh, we'll also have a food vendor down there, so so people can kind of have it's an, you know uh, an accessible area with, with all the amenities that we've got in the rest of the locations in the park. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. So last year you guys had one full less tent, and I'm trying to in my mind, or I was a second ago, trying to picture where you guys could possibly put another tent. Uh, but yeah, that totally makes sense. Yes. Yeah, so what we did was we really looked at above and we skinnied those tents down and then re jiggered them okay okay? they're oriented a little bit differently there's a very substantial amount of space between what we call the food court and that final tent so there's a big expanse of space for people to gather in for people to set up chairs and whatnot and in skinning down those areas we haven't added any breweries we just added a tent so we decreased the size of the six that are up top added a seventh down below so we went from six to seven okay and with that open space now by the like we had last year down by the food court that is an unobstructed view of the lake and yeah, the downtown the skyline of the nice. capital. It is absolutely gorgeous. And when I was enjoying that view last year, I was thinking, like, during the festival, how can we keep this view? <laughs> and so as we discussed the soccer field and expanding the footprint, you know, that, that was one of the things in my mind. Because um, 
you know, you, you can't beat that view. For, for Madison, that's one of the iconic views, uh, you know, in the city. Mm-hmm. And to be able to preserve that without a tent being in the way uh, just seemed like a really big benefit to me. It felt so much more, that felt more spacious because there's no tent in the way. I think it's all coming together. So we took a lot of the big rigs that you would have noticed around the barn and a lot of the big setups, moved them down to the soccer field. It's easier to site them. It's easier for them to get in and get out. We have said yes to some other vehicles that we have said no to in the past. So um, some rigs that were specifically set up to tap beer. And those can be as crazy and far afield as uh, old mail van, Grumman mail delivery vans, to fire trucks, to VW vans and VW buses, and to trailers. So we wanted to, to be able to create difference, okay? Uh, can the up top overlooking the lake be like Jason was describing, be a little more bucolic, lean in a little bit more? Can it be the quieter side of the lake, okay? And can down, can down below be one of those big showcase, you know, fireworks kind of things popping and everybody's having just a killer loud raucous time. So we put intentionally people down there so that people could come and go throughout the day okay nobody's needing to stay at any one place but still a hell of a beer festival if all you did was the 600 tent (laughs) (laughs) all you did was the standalones um so you know there's ways for people to cut their day which is pretty cool uh still no boats right so (laughs) that's correct there (laughs) are no boats although we have had boats uh uh try to dock right off right off uh the park right off the park uh, park coast no entry or exit by water and no swimming during the event as well right Uh, there are no lifeguards on duty all right so who's keeping an eye on randy sprecher this year because uh someone let him loose last year and he got into the water randy can't be controlled (laughs) but uh yeah just one thing i want to wrap up Uh, we got to say goodbye to larry bell i think that Mm -hmm. was uh another i know big moment for me really made last year important not only was it coming back but uh to be able to say goodbye to really an icon of uh midwest brewing how do you guys think uh, that all went? I was never worried about Larry's exit, okay? Truth be told, I might be more worried about Larry's entrance, okay, <laughs> than his exit. I knew that it would be respectful. I knew it would be honoring us. I knew that it would be an interface of our relationships and his time in Madison. Um, and he told a wonderful story. He told it through his own words. He told it through um, his clothing and the programs and all the pictures that he took and kind of the memorabilia that he had grabbed up and all the all the glassware that we had given him and all the brewer's gifts. I mean, he told it visually and he told it auditorily. And it's just amazing. At the same time, you know, with Bells, we lost, you know, Chad Chase in the whole workup. And that, uh, and that was the guy that for many, 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 many years not only did the Friday night pre-party for Bells, but also set up their booth and came up with all their stuff so i'm excited for what john's going to do from bells this year Mm -hmm. um but we will all 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 be missing larry's stories i will tell zero of those stories (laughs) today uh but i will tell you right now some of the stories of larry and the great taste and how we work together are epic and you know honestly i i appreciated the the time effort and energy he put into that display to be honest he put in a better historical display for the Great Taste of the Midwest than we could have. It was amazing. Be- because, really you know, I-, I think we would have had a lot harder time finding those items in our own individual collections mm-hmm. compared to what he had. Plus, he had awards, you know, we, he, <laughs> which are now his, you know. So, he, you know, they, they've won so many awards for, for table decoration over the years. And, you know, for me personally, it, it was honestly one of the highlights of my, of my day uh, at the festival last year was was 
getting him, like literally pulling him from another conversation <laughs> and just introducing myself quickly. And we had a great heart to heart and let him know how much I had appreciated him and his brewery. And my God, two hearted, you know, ale is that's my desert island beer, no doubt. But but for him to, you know, return those sentiments about what, what we've done for the industry, you know, over 35 years, you know, it, it, it's hard to look back, you know, what, what it was looked like 35 years ago is, you know, three of us weren't there. And, <laughs> you know, Fred was there not long after that. But, you know, that that's a long time. You know, the industry was so different back then. So to hear from someone that I would put on the Mount Rushmore of craft beer, for, for him to to thank us for what we've done, you know, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps talking <laughs> about it again. Like it was just, it was the mutual appreciation society that we've both done so much to help each other. And it was a really special moment for me. You know, it's one of those things. Every time that, uh, you know, we're out there and we're interviewing uh, the brewers and, you know, some of the participants at, at the festival, one of the questions that we always make sure to ask is, you know, what does the staff, what does this event mean to you? And to see it just displayed in, in a visual sense the way that he did, the, the time and effort yep. that went into that collection, I, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it, too. Yeah. It, it was it was really a beautiful moment. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of long time or even, even newer patrons you know, who, who haven't seen those glasses, who haven't seen shirts from 25 years ago. I think, you know, if I can put myself in their shoes, I, I think it would be really cool for them to see the history before they've been attending. I just, I just really appreciate what that he that he took that time and effort to not only keep that stuff, um, but then to have it around, you know, for a display like that. And, and to to do intent to intentionally lean in on the one award that we give. Okay, which is, it's not a joke award by any way, shape, or form. It is just a disconnected, in some ways, <laughs> thing to what people would assume an award would be at a beer festival. Best table display. And for him to display all of those awards yeah. and have kept them and then to have put them back in their rightful place in Kalamazoo at the bar, that, that's a fantastic uh, homage. You know, and he he really took that seriously. Hey, Fred said that you know years ago would be really cool if we all decorated our place, and he took that you know seriously. I mean, he, he spared no expense some years, no expense. Yeah, you may call it a disconnected award, but those breweries fight tooth and nail for that <laughs> award. Uh, I talked with uh, I think it was Anello last year, and he was just he he was like, "This is our year. We're getting it. We're gonna get it this year." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I think I think that's another one of those things, you know. That, of that growing list of things that make the great taste so special, you know, that, that the breweries really do take it seriously or funny seriously or quirky seriously or kitschy seriously, mm-hmm. you know, to, to really put in that effort of, of, of coming up with a great theme, it makes it more fun. It's, it's more fun to see, you know, people walking around in lab coats or in, <laughs> in Caddyshack outfits yeah. um, than, you know, just wearing their, their keg jockey shirts, you know. So I, I think it's really cool that, that we can offer that a space and an environment where they're feeling creative and can do something fun like that. Just a historical story where that came from, the uh, Wild Onion Brewery in uh, Barrington, Illinois, Barrington or South Barrington, were the first to really lean in. And they brought a bunch of boxes, like wooden crates, that one would find maybe at a farmer's market, display, angled them, and went to the downtown market in downtown Madison and bought up, I swear to God, every onion <laughs> that was in the, in the, and that place was just, and it was, if you got past the olfactory, you know, sensation yeah. of all those onions, um, it was, it was epic because it looked like the coolest, 
you know, unidimensional farmer's market ever. <laughs> and it was just, and then people just started taking it seriously. I think some of the smartest guys on their table displays realized that this is also in Madison, what we call hippie Christmas. So it's that flip time between your uh, old lease as a college kid and your new lease, August 15th. Mm-hmm. So there's boatloads of furniture <laughs> sitting on the curb and the smart guys figure out a way to just go pick up furniture and rugs and lamps and everything and then just take them right back down to the curb the next day, <laughs> costing them zero dollars yeah. except for time in a trailer so there's some really fun things that have come out of that just organically and i think it's really cool that people like larry take it seriously yeah it's uh again i think this all circles back to how great taste it transcends beer festival i don't even know if it's fair Honestly, to continue to call it a beer festival, uh, as you guys have said many times, it's a homecoming yeah, for many reunion. of these folks, uh-huh. and uh, you get that feel. You know, you think, "Oh, what what can it really mean?" If you've never been there, when you're there, you get that feeling that this is everyone's coming home for the holidays for this one day. Yeah, and that's really to me that's the magic of Friday, of setup Friday is when breweries are coming in with, to drop off their gear. Uh, maybe bringing their beer um, that you know that's a great chance for us to see them and there are a lot of hugs a lot of handshakes a lot of high fives a lot of smiles a lot of stories a lot of laughing you know fair amount of Limburger sandwiches <laughs> devour from time to time <laughs> but no it's that notion of you know if you think of that like we've said before on the podcast Jason and I said it numerous times if you think of that park as your living room this is our living room we're welcoming people home and it's intentional and I'll tell you what the uh, the newer folks who show up at the festival to a to a person have always co- uh, commented on how easy the the volunteers and the staff and all of you guys just make their experience. You know, they're not used to going to a festival and barely having to touch anything until the day of. You know, and it, they, you guys come in, you grab their their kegs, you keep them cold. You're just Johnny on the spot in every sense of the word, and uh, I it is very much appreciated by the brewers, and that's. That's reflected in every interview that we've done uh, concerning this. We always say that our, our podcast, The Day Of, that's that's like our love letter to what we consider to be one of the best days of the entire year. To, to hear people just effusively praise the volunteers and, and the staff and the way that you guys do your business, it's it's refreshing to hear. It honestly is. It's, it's like a NASCAR pit crew. So when they, when they pull up, they're descended on by a whole team of experts who come and take care of business. So they're, they're pulling out jockey boxes, banners, T-shirts, kegs, taps, tubs, all, all the gear that they've brought along. You know, we don't want them to lift a finger. We want them to walk into the park, you know, pull up your vehicle. We'll take everything to where it belongs. We'll keep your beer cold overnight. We'll deliver it to your station tomorrow. You just come at a reasonable time before the <laughs> festival starts to get everything set up and you're good to go. Well, the beautiful part is that if if we do our job right, you could take a cab from your hotel down to the event because everything's already there, and all you have to do is connect. Nice. Maybe drop a banner, put some you know tablecloths out, whatever. It is trying to be as seamless as possible, and we never ever ever stop questioning what we could do different. This year, one of the ideas that uh, that we had through one of our distributors was one of the bottlenecks is always on Friday when you know the big five distributors come sure. through. Mm-hmm. And they've got a big truck, and it takes a while to unload, and you have to take everything off. So there can be a backlog of cars just kind of waiting in queue. Well, this year we're gonna have we had one distributor offer to have everybody from the other four distributors drop at that distributor. Oh, nice! During oh. the week, so those trucks won't be there. 
and that should make things even more seamless. I am so excited to see what that looks like just logistically. There's not a patron in the world that would see that. We're the only ones that see that. Brewers are the only ones that see that. But that's something that will make that event even more spectacular for them. I think, what are there, close to 30 homebrews that we've made to share with the brewers on Friday night? Um, You know, we're going to have some food on Friday night. we got 30 homebrews to share. I mean, just the feedback of, you you guys all made this for us on Friday? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, these guys were intentional about making beer, making mead, making cider, making sizers. So that was really cool and really intentional. And there's probably going to be some things that maybe came off a still that will be shared on Friday on as Friday well. Only. On yes, Friday only. Yes, on Friday only. <laughs> but, uh, but that whole notion of, you know, Friday, Saturday, and then, you know, sharing a meal at the end of the whole thing with each other is kind of the way to, uh, to end. And I'll tell you what, it's like one effort leads into another. You guys make everything so easy for the brewers that they have extra time to put together these crazy, uh, you know, presentations. And, and, and yeah, it's just fun all the way around. But uh, I think I, I see a, a theme developing on the podcast today, and that is uh, returns. So we also have uh, the very fun return of the on-site uh, pre-ticket sales this year. Yeah. Uh, how many uh, breweries did you guys get involved, and uh, how, how did it uh, operate this year as, uh, as opposed to years past? Uh, it was great. Uh, we added Delta Beer Lab was a new uh, sales location for us. They were super enthused about being on board. They were well, super all- enthused, and they hit a home run. Oh yeah, they 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 killed it. They had they had great great line control. They housed people inside the brewery. They served donuts in the morning. <laughs> You know, and they had great beers on tap. You know, they, they they really did a great job. They're very welcoming. They were great hosts uh, for our for our crowd and people in that line were really enjoying themselves. They were really appreciative of of that new location um, and exploring you know something new. Um, you know, we also had a lot of uh, returning venues as well, and those guys always you know kill it at the Malt House at Vintage Brewing Company. Oh, sure. They've been kind of the model that we've had for so long. Uh, Capital Brewery. I think the thing that we learned from Delta Beer Lab was people that might not have seen themselves in Friday ticket sales or seen where they fit in Friday ticket sales previously felt completely comfortable going to Delta Beer Lab for a myriad of reasons. We saw more women in that line. We saw older individuals in that line. We saw more people of color in that line. We saw a very different socioeconomic diversification in that line. And it was a group of people that said, thank you so much for giving me a place that I felt comfortable and worked for me. And that couldn't have felt better. I mean, as we sat around at the Great Dane after ticket sales, we were just uh, aghast at how well it went and the feedback that we got. I agree. Uh, And I I forgot to mention Carbon 4. That that was our other sales location. You know, they rolled out the red carpet. They had extra staff on at night and overnight. Uh, So they they had uh, extra capacity in the tap room. Um, Again, legendary bottle shares happening there. and then again, they you know they broke things open with breakfast and you know coffee in the morning. So um, you know they're doing it right. They open up you know they open up the tap room again in the morning, so people could you know get their day started that way by spending a few bucks inside the tap room and happy people all the way around. Another return we should definitely talk about. Uh, so because you guys had to kind of parse it down a little bit last year, and you know some people just didn't didn't make the cut, and and that's unfortunate. But we uh, expect and we hope to see a lot of them back this year. Any uh, any notable breweries coming back this year who maybe were not able to make it last year? I would say anybody that had, and here's where the difference is, and I think it's going to be a longer term thing than I think most people think in the general public, not 
in the service industry. The service industry is very much, I think, preparing for this new eventuality. Um, what do we do when things, what, what do we do if things stay the way they are? The reason people are not able to come this year, okay, which is the other side of the coin that you sure. didn't ask yet about, is not because they didn't want to come, it's because they couldn't come because they don't have staff. Gotcha. They didn't have the ability, uh, it's all hands on deck, they were understaffed, they couldn't leave for a weekend, it wasn't going to be cost effective, they couldn't justify the outlay of money, etc., etc. They all wanted to come, sure. okay? Um, some of the biggest ones in that list, you know, Summit Brewing Company. I mean, that, that's just a sad, sad reality for even big beer, okay, to be able to come down. So, the other, you know, this, this is the year that we have more rookie breweries than we've ever had. Wow. Oh, that's exciting. So we are really excited about that. We have um, been very intentional about spreading them out throughout the event. We have been very intentional about, in the app and in the program, highlighting them. We have asked everybody to highlight what might be the unique parts of their brewery, whether there is a female brewmaster or a minority-owned brewery or whatever differentiates you from anybody else. How can we get that across on your behalf through our media? So we have made probably even greater steps, I think, this year into helping other people, to, helping people tell their stories through, um, through our lenses. So we're very excited about those 38, 35? I think it's about 30, yeah, between 30 oh, and 35. Yeah. But that's been a big push that we've had for the last few years is, you know, we're working through, you know, our list of interested breweries that just haven't gotten picked for one reason or another, you know, by expanding the lottery or, or changing it how we did a few years ago to increase the number of rookies so that they can come. Because we want to keep it fresh. We want to keep it new. We want to brand new breweries who, who can get in breweries that have been around for a while who just haven't had interest or, or, or won in the lottery before. So we want to get them in the door, too. From a, from a brewery perspective, you know, we also want to keep things fresh for our patrons. You know, we want, we want some new blood. We want the old standbys. We want the big guys. We want the, you know, the longtime friends. But, you know, making new friends is good, too. And so, you know, more breweries that we can impress and with our NASCAR crew that comes out and takes their gear and we roll out the red carpet for them. Uh, we welcome them, you know, before, the, you know, during the, and before the festival. So we're excited that they're there. And by by tagging the tents uh, with that rookie sign, um, including that in the app, including that in the print program, uh, our patrons know where those rookies are too. So they get a lot of attention. You know, if if you didn't if if those weren't marked, you might not know where they were, or you've never heard of that brewery. And you're like, man, I don't, I don't know. You know, just and you just keep walking. But when you see the rookie tag. I think that definitely draws some of our patrons and staff, uh, me personally for sure. Totally. Um, so I always stop by and say hi. I might not get a beer because I'm, you know, not drinking that many beers that day. But, but it's a, it's a great it's a great indication of something new that you might not have had before. So you know, if you're the you know you're a grizzled veteran of of many many great tastes. Um, you know, that's a that's a flag to look out for. You don't have to wait in line for you know big monster rele- special releases. Um, you know, maybe hit up some rookies and try some beers from a brewery that you might not, not have ever heard of before. That's the cool thing is that that is one of the most searchable terms on our app is rookies. And for some, some people, that is their entire event. Okay, they look at just rookies. And if you've got 30 breweries, that's twice most beer festivals. <laughs> so, you know, and you've got, you know, you take time six for many of them because we've told them because they're so searchable as the rookie tag that they're going to get hit hard. 
So we're encouraging everybody to not just bring three half barrels of beer, but to bring multiple beers in smaller formats to fly through beers throughout. And we've been very clear with the rookies for many, many, many years now that uh, you're gonna, you're, you might go through more than your your, uh, <laughs> your requested required allotment. So, um, and they're very all all very appreciative of that, and to be given enough information so that they're not caught blindsided and just overrun. Yeah, because there's a potential for that. Oh, and it, it's happened, right? I mean, some of the the highlighted rookies that have come in, such as Hot Butcher, even then, you know, you're telling them to bring extra. They still run out early. Yep. Because yep. they're when the top hits. Well, and that's that you know, that's everybody's goal. Everybody's goal of all two hundred breweries that are coming to the great taste is to run out of beer at six o'clock. That's the goal. Nobody wants to take liquid back. <laughs> Nobody wants to carry anything heavier than uh, the amount of steel that's in that vessel. So, you know, the goal is to to do it exactly and if Jason and I do our job along with our teams, then we're giving them the information such that they can do that. So that they, they don't run out of three o'clock but they also don't have three half barrels full sitting at 6 o'clock. Well, that, that's wonderful news about uh, some more new breweries. Uh, for me personally, I love the way that you guys do that. You mark the, the tent. It's kind of subtle, but it definitely stands out. And, uh, you know, we've talked in previous podcasts about uh, strategies to hit <laughs> to hit the <laughs> festival and have a great time. For me, it, it really is about the rookie breweries. I, I like to go see who's new. What are you doing? What You know, what's on tap? So, so that that's always a, a Any a chance focus. we can get a preview of... Uh who we might be lucky enough to see there this year? Well, there's four new uh, Milwaukee rookies. Oh, wow. So 1840 will be there from Milwaukee. Amorphic oh. Beer will be there from Milwaukee. City Lights will be there. And Company Brewing Company. Okay. Oh, One of excellent. the more fun names to just say a lot. <laughs> my wife says that I've been saying that in my sleep. Um, so those four guys straight from Milwaukee um, are super excited to come. They're just stoked. Um, I will say I think the coolest thing one of the coolest things that's happening this year is we have a rookie brewery, Pals Brewing Company, coming from Nebraska. Oh, okay. okay. Okay, during a post-pandemic world where it is not really that usual for people to be coming from that far away. We had a lot of people turn down, turn down invitations. Okay, sure. and we're still having attrition even as of last week. Okay, because people are trying desperately to figure out how to come. It's one thing to be in northern Wisconsin where you're trying to make your year in three to six months and mm. leave. So that's understandable in a regular year. But add a pandemic, add staffing shortages to that, and then add distance to all of that, it becomes really hard for certain people. But I'll tell you right now, we've got some killer, killer. I mean, out of Elkhorn, Wisconsin, Beck's Brewing might be the smallest little, you know, obscure. Aren't they out of a, like a barn? Yeah. Yes, yeah. okay. So I mean, it's just this awesome little, <laughs> you know, joint that's coming. And, and I love people like that because, you know, I, it, the fantastic part is, hey, what, we're going to ask if we can get in. And, and they got in. So we're super excited that in Little Elkhorn, Wisconsin, there's this brewery because there are a lot of little breweries coming out of little places in Wisconsin. They are maybe one of the smallest and one of the smallest communities. Awesome. Well, awesome. I'm excited for uh, 1840, a friend of the show, yep. uh, Kyle. Uh, we're both celebrating our fifth year anniversary coming up here, so that's I was actually, exciting. Uh, and, and I was actually just there at their fifth anniversary party this past Saturday. Right. Yeah. Uh, great brand time. new, uh, seven months old. So that's exciting. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm excited that 608 Brewing Company is coming from Lacrosse. My my parents oh. are from Lacrosse, so awesome. a little uh, kind of hometown uh, 
you know, love there. I'm excited that uh, Delta Beer Lab made it into the into the mix. Oh, that's awesome. You know, like it's great. You know, and that was you know obviously totally independent of our of you know of our of our ticket sales. Uh, so they were really excited to hear that. You know, be, you know, being being local. Yeah. Um, and finally, I think they're the closest brewery. To the, to, the, to the park <laughs> and, and hadn't been before. So it was great for, to see that. They come. could walk from their brewery. <laughs> they could. The they could just take a hand truck and roll their beer themselves. Um, so that's exciting. You know, and other, you know, Dane County, you know, Sunshine Brewing Company in Lake Mills. Um, I actually just visited there. I rode my bike there uh, a couple weeks ago for the first time and really enjoyed their Kolsch and had a great time out on the patio with the quesadilla. Looking forward to having them there, too. So it's a good list. I, th- I, I think one of the cool things is that this list absolutely showcases both people that got super lucky Mm -hmm. in year one and people that have been on this list for three or four years yeah yeah who finally got picked i mean black rocks out of marquette michigan finally got in after many many years and black rocks is just one of those great great stories i mean who doesn't want to live in a town like marquette michigan Mm. Twenty-five thousand people eight or nine breweries and then almost 12 to 14 within a 20 minute drive I mean, that's not a bad community to live in. Well, I think it's because you have to bring your own snow shovel in January to uh, that actually might get be to part the breweries. Of <laughs> that might be part of it. But I just, you know, I look at this list and I'm super excited. I can tell you right now, if all you did, if all you did was the notion of just rookies, um, you're going to be killing it. And, and Flick's Brewhouse in Madison got in for the first time, and they're going to bring two, maybe three other brewers from other Flick's. So it's kind of like that old rock bottom model okay, where sure. there's yeah, a bunch yeah. of these around and brewers from around are bringing in. But the uh, the table is Flick's Brewhouse Madison, and it could be Flick's Brewhouse from anywhere else in the Midwest. That's okay. boring beer as well. So it's just uh-huh. a super cool thing because at that one table, in effect, now you're looking at three different, four different breweries. And this is probably their fourth year of being in the lottery because oh, they were, they, they they were, were knocking on our, you know, they were reaching out to us like right before they opened, right? You know, hoping hoping that they could get in that, you know, that very first year um, as they were opening their their location in Madison. And so it's good to have them there too. Totally, totally. And there's some people that are really savvy about that. I'll tell you right now, Sway up in uh, Door County guaranteed us when they got on the list that damn it we're going to be open. There's no way. So make sure that you know we think we're going to be open before you pull the lottery. Okay, so Sway's been open for like less than two months and actually got in. So you talk about the luckiest SOBs in the world, those poor guys, because they took over the old Door County um, uh, facility in uh, Bailey's. Because somebody else went upstairs, they took over the downstairs where production was and their brewery blending uh, facility when Door County moved out to the uh, Main Street with the brand new building. So, you know, Sway is probably the least tenured been around right maybe they've paid payroll three or four times <laughs> <laughs> speaking of things that you can do just if you focused on it is the real ale tent making a comeback uh where the real ale tent is in a hiatus this year oh uh, okay um i know and that's you know i i understand and appreciate that reaction i'm, I'm glad you're giving me that reaction because i know that there's still some love out there for real ale but really, behind the scenes, we were seeing a decreased um, interest in participation sure, fr- sure. from breweries and from patrons as well. Um, granted, there's there's a niche, there's a there's a group of really enthusiastic real ale, you know, yep. tent Cast fans condition. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's it it was getting sadder. We were we were pouring out more beer from those firkins at the end mm-hmm. of the event, and that's sad. I know that. You know, brewers are putting in a lot of time and effort to mm-hmm. to not to make a beer special for a firkin, to go through the you know the the extra hoops to to cask a beer, age it, 
uh, transport it as gently as possible and for us then to handle that in a, in a gentle manner, um, you know, in, in the rack overnight. You know, so it was just we, we, we were seeing more waste there and that because that beer is not going to hold. Right. And so, yep. you know, we just thought it was, was time maybe to, you know, take another year off with that. Yep. You know, I think I, I, w- I wouldn't rule it out returning at some point, um, but I think we've got some other ideas for like a special uh, section. Uh, we're not implementing it this year, but I think we've got some ideas for a special section in years to come. So we, we might see kind of rotating themes um, as we come up with, with genius ideas to, to make a special beer zone uh, within the festival. And awesome. those those could alternate year to year. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it could be, you know, the theme this year is this, the theme next year is that. So I'm excited that the presentation tent is coming back. Big time. Um, I will tell you right now, the first uh, the first session is Gail Ambrosius Chocolates out of Madison with Cunin Brewing Company out of Michigan paired together. These monster, big, huge flavor bomb beers paired with some of Gail's truffles. Nice. Uh, we are closing the uh, deal on August Shell. Um, Jace Marty was going to do the event, uh, fifth generation um, owner, uh, brewer at uh, August Shell, and he has uh, done a sidestep and started Black Frost Distilling in uh, in uh, New Elm. So he's gone wholeheartedly into New Elm, and even though that they've been in requesting, 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 I think I've got somebody from August Shell to talk about their Star Keller beers and all their fooder beers and all their wild ales, which will debunk the notion that breweries that have been around for hundreds of years do not uh, innovate or evolve and then we've got a what I would consider to be a beer versus wine smackdown where we're going to have uh, my friend from American Wine Project who is doing some amazing wines out of Mineral Point, Wisconsin. Erin's going to be there and she is doing Wisconsin grape wines and some of those are lower ABV wines but they're the terroir is what grows here. And she's going to be working with Garth from Garth's Brew Bar, who's a certified Cicerone in Madison. And he's going to be doing uh, Wisconsin beers paired with her Wisconsin terroir wines. Oh, cool. And they may do something as crazy as we're going to pair everything with celery. Okay. <laughs> or we're going to pair everything with shoe leather. Okay. And uh, so it, it could be Girl Scout cookies. It could be muffin tops. It could be cheese. Uh, they have yet, they just wink at me when I say, what are your ideas? And they're like, you'll know when you know. So, <laughs> so that's very whole, secretive. It, it, but it's one of those things where if you've got two really vibrant personalities and they're both impassioned by why they picked this wine to go p- be paired with this, it was hilarious because I think Aaron won as a wine, as a wine sommelier the last time she and Garth did it four years ago. I think she took him to task and she won at a beer festival. Oh, wow. So it was fun to watch. People had just the best time. So I'm hoping to reprise that in a different thing because before then, Aaron did not have her own winery. She was kind of a wildcat vintner. Now she's got her own place in Mineral Point. She's got her own vines. It helps us celebrate another winemaker from Wisconsin, which I'm super stoked about. Um, so it'll be a really cool event. So those are the four presentation, three presentations at the uh, presentation tent, which I think would make a wonderful beer fest because quite honestly, it's free. <laughs> and you get to eat and, and delicious drink. chocolates. You know? So you get to eat, you get to drink, and you get people's time and talent that are, are really close to the best with what they do. Yeah, so. I think hearing from the experts oh. is one of the big selling points. Not only do you get, you know, yummy treats like Gail Ambrosia's chocolates, but Gail's there talking about Gail's chocolates. And and we've got, you know, like like you're saying, the 
wine experts, and it's it's good to hear those from those experts, really really telling their story and telling you why you should be interested in what what you're tasting as you're as you're going through that panel. It's fantastic, and and just as an aside. Gail Ambrosius will only ever be in the first session of a presentation tent that I put on because my wife has been to every single, I think, event that Gail's put on. And if it gets a little too late, she's been prone to scream out, Gail, this is better than sex. And you know my husband. So, you know, I'm like, I just need to shut her up. So we're going to get her in before she gets a little too goofy. But no, it's just that notion that, and plus we'll be down there and the presentation tent will feel this year more like a regular part of the event because it'll be attached to. Um, so the way to get to the 700 tent, just so people that are thinking, is you come back down the road. So you hit that intersection where the 600 tent is. Okay, there were a couple standalones there. There will still be a couple standalones there. And then you kind of come down the road again a little bit lower, and within 20 to 40 yards of the 600 tent is the 700 tent. So it'll be right there. We're hoping that people figure out a way to move up and down. Jason and I have looked at the cost analysis of a moving sidewalk. Yep. That's not going to work this year. <laughs> not this year. Uh, so, yeah. We'll work with the city to see, if it's, <laughs> see about next year. It'll be like airports. It'll be Go, like Golf airports. carts running up and down. Right. Yep. <laughs> so we're really trying. We're, you know, the, the way we uh, looked at the 610 when we did that the first time was put the right people down there. And just like in Field of Dreams, they will come. So we did that again this year with the 710. I think we both have great confidence along with our teams that uh, it'll happen again for a second time. Yeah, and I think that's a good point, Fred, is that several years ago, the 600 tent felt like it was really far away from, sure. like, why are we putting that way down way down on the hill, you know? Um, and now that's a big part of, of the grounds, you know, that's that's well within the, the range that, you know, people are spending a lot of time. There's a lot of activity down there on the road um, and that, that corridor. So I, I think the 700 tent, the soccer field area, is going to have that same feeling. And like Fred said, with the draw, you know, by having some of the big standalone breweries down there, I mean, you're going to notice it. It's not invisible. You're you're going to see it down there, and it'll 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 bring people. And I encourage anyone who's listening to to definitely go down and check it out. And you're going to see it the minute you line up. You know it's there before you even get into the event. And the, it is never a bad thing to get people walking and moving between tents instead of being static. The whole idea of spreading things out helps our event become a safe and secure place. It's one of the best things about the festival is all the little nooks and crannies where uh, Mm -hmm. things are hidden and you think you've tried everything and then suddenly (laughs) you turn a corner, holy crap, there's 80 more breweries over here. Yeah, it's one of the amazing things. And uh, you you talked about having experts there and talking about their craft. Uh, I want to say one of the draws to this festival is not just the experts in the presentation tent but the experts out in every single tent rare is it to have a brew fest where that many brewers that many head brewers owners of the brewery everybody wants to come out to this thing because like you said it's it's seeing your old friends that you haven't seen in a year it's it's family reunion it's you know welcome back and being able to talk beer with the guys that are actually making the beer not just you know volunteers pouring but actually people from the brewery that are able to tell those stories that i believe is one of the biggest draws to this festival yeah i mean there, there are hundreds of ipas at that festival right and we know them we love them but when you walk up to a brewery, I mean, they might have three or four, and you're going to ask like, "Well, why don't you talk me through some of the hops? You know, through your different, you know, through your different IPAs, and you're going to know which one you want, right? So, only the person who's put hops into that brew kettle 
know what hops are going into that beer. So I, I think getting that perspective uh, is important. So they know they know what's going into the beer. They know what's going into the glass. You know, it's going you know past your taste buds. And that's that's not insignificant to make that a requirement for coming to the great taste. You know, somebody that made that beer has to be behind that table. You may walk up, and it will be infrequent, if at all, that that person's not there. And it might be because they went and grabbed a beer two yeah. tables down. <laughs> okay? And you've got somebody that was a bartender, a server, you know, fill in the blank, that might not be as knowledgeable but super excited also at the same time. That was... The Great Taste, we have been very lucky by doing a lot of things that just worked out over time. And it helps to have been in the game for 35 years <laughs> to, to make sure people know that this is the 35th anniversary. It's a divisible by five. It's a really cool glass. Big number. You know, we're back to uh, back to regular. You know, we're, we're, you know, we're back out again. So I, I really, we take a lot. We've got, I think we did two things right. Only two. Let's just say, if you had to pick the top two, one was making the decision that brewers had to be there, and then was figuring out the number of porta potties every year correctly. <laughs> Those are the only two things, first and foremost, that you have to do right. We do have short lines. I, I, I'll, give you, I'll give them credit for that. We do. I don't, I don't want anyone waiting in line, in line that <laughs> long for a porta potty. Nope. So no, we, we go above and beyond. Usually, you got your bladder gets full real quick. And, and it's just one of those things, you know, what I love about the event is that there are, if you were paying people at the level that we have involvement of volunteers, this is a $250 ticket if this was a salaried event where everybody had to weigh in on their department. So the department of porta potties, the department of, you know, foodstuffs, the department of, you know, consumable supplies, quartermaster, the guy that does gas, the guy that does generators, the guy that does electricity. This is all volunteer. You couldn't pull this thing off for 70 bucks if you tried with this level of decorum, sense, and sensibility as a paid staff. You just couldn't do it. And so, quality. I think I think that's quality. what really what, what comes out. Um, you know, we talked about treating the brewers well, and because we're treating them well and make it easy for them, they, they bring those those special beers. They, they bring the big ones. They bring special releases. They bring the beers that beer geeks get excited about. And I, I use that term lovingly because I am one. You know, I, I think that's a big part of it, too. I mean, we've got, we've got a lot of very accessible beers. But we've also got unicorns uh, that keep people excited. Why don't you tell everybody about what we have coming back this year before the Great Taste with that entire group of Mark's, you know, people coming from across the country? Because this, oh, yes. is, the, this is their first thing back. Th- this is. So uh, I think five years ago, we were lucky to host... Um, the uh, Brewers uh, Craft Brewers the craft, No, not the Craft Brewers the, the, uh, Sorry, the Guild The Brewers Guild, Brewers Guild Summit meeting So I think we had uh, Executive or Director Brew Guild Directors from Around 30 states oh. Attend They had never gotten together before All in one place I mean, they've met at at GABF for the Craft Brewers Conference and things like that, um, where they're all like an industry, uh, you know, convention kind of thing. But one, one of the directors, you know, was thinking that they should get together. And another one said, let's meet at the Great Taste of the Midwest. And at the time, Mark Garthwaite was the, the festival chairman. So he said, that's a great idea. I'm already going to be there. <laughs> we'll throw a party just for you guys. Uh, so they he did. was the Wisconsin uh, director. Yeah. Uh, and so, so that was a great fit, and we had a great facility for them. They were 
you know, blown away by the festival. So it was, you know, it was personally satisfying to knock their socks off. People who have been going to, you know, countless beer festivals professionally and, you know, on their own dime. So that was really cool. And they have not met since altogether, but they're coming back to Madison this year. So we're having another summit meeting for the uh, the guild directors uh, this year again, and we're excited to host them. Really excited and proud that they wanted to come back to Madison and experience the great taste in the Midwest. So it's happy to have them back. Which is great for us because then that just spreads the love and, you know, you take that many states and, you you know, you just start exponentially uh, getting that much more um, dynamic. We've talked about things that are coming back, but, uh, you know, a question I've been wanting to ask for a while now, are there things that you would want to change about the festival but you haven't been able to? Is there anything that you see that goes on and you go, boy, I got this great idea... I really would like to implement it, but it just never gets done. Well, we're we're not going by moving out of the soccer field. That's been Fred's baby. For, <laughs> that's been Fred's baby for a few years, and he keeps he kept bugging me about it for you know year after year. It's like, but the soccer field. And I'm like, I know, but and that, but you know, to his that's credit, where the pandemic helped because it yeah, gave yeah. that conversation, yeah. and then we leaned in hard to how can we di- if we're going back to full capacity, how can we still distance people. But by having the pandemic, you know, first a year off got us rethinking some things and then going, you know, half capacity last year. So it, it did definitely uh, make us think about things. You know, I, I can't think of a lot of other, you know, specific ideas that, you know, we're, we're committed to a one day festival. Yeah. I'm just going to put that out there. We're, we're committed to a one day festival. So um, all, the, all the folks who don't get tickets we're having a great time on saturday who want to come back on sunday or stay for a second session on saturday night you right know. Or, or multi-sessions keep, on keep, one day yeah right? keep keep wishing folks um <laughs> that ain't happening <laughs> no but no i think you know I, I think the i think the expansion of the footprint um you know by adding the 700 tent is, is really the big the big change this year and then it, like i said before you know after after seeing the view that unobstructed view of the lake in downtown um you know that was a that was kind of near and dear to me. That was that was a personal, you know, wish for me, and I'm I'm really glad that we can pull that off again because, you know, even that was at half capacity. So I'm excited for twice as many people to appreciate that view this year, and then there'll be a lot more space in that zone for for picnic tables because we've got the food court, so people can get lunch or a snack. They've got a place to sit. There's shade on the hillside. There's all the picnic tables. There's shade down there in some spots too. You know, I think it, it's making it more scenic. I think it's making it more comfortable as well. I'm excited for a couple things. First and foremost, we're back to uh, full capacity for bacon on a stick, <laughs> which is never a bad thing because, I mean, you're just you throwing caution to the wind if you're going to a beer festival anyway, so why not get some pork fat, get a little pork belly in you. But the bottom, you know, the bottom line is um, we're looking at really honestly helping some of these food vendors as well to make their month, okay, and they've all been struggling. Okay, a lot of these guys are food truck only, and even during the pandemic, there was no, no food truck. And if I was going to go higher level than that, um, I'm excited for one more year to put on a safe and secure event that proves the naysayers wrong, that shows people that we're not just an all-you-can-drink festival, that we have thought about it, we have done it, we have, for the 35th year in a row, accomplished it, at the same time, kept everybody safe, kept everybody else safe, and made almost a $2 million economic impact in the city of Madison. 
to me that is a huge win that in parts of our neo-prohibitionist world ends up just being kind of glossed over. So to me it's that how can Jason and I and our 200 plus volunteers pull this off again to yet again prove we can do this. We can do it safely, we can do it securely, and everybody can have fun. I definitely wanted to ask you guys about that because, you know, you talked about helping uh, helping the businesses that are involved and, and helping their bottom line, but you guys really go out of your way with the help. Uh, we had talked last year about the impact that, you know, the COVID no, you know, no beer fest year kind of had. You guys were still able to do some, uh, some charitable stuff with mm-hmm. the... Uh, uh, with the pint glasses that you guys were able to sell. So I'm, I'm just curious, with having half capacity last year, were you guys still able to make a good amount of money? And, and you know, how did those how did those charitable contributions go? And how excited are you guys to be back at full, full capacity, to have just more and more money coming in and, and being able to spread that back out into such amazing, you know, social justice uh, forums? Yeah, we're, we're really excited about that. And actually, that was one of the screaming successes of last year. Um, you know, through, you know, merchandise sales and through an, an amazing effort, um, you know, working with some, you know, brewery-facing sponsorships um, and tightening belts. You know, we, as a club, really, really tightened up our budget for all the events that we do throughout the year, um, you know, from, from, you know, brewing supplies to, you know, to our social events, to our larger social events, our cider pressing, an Oktoberfest party, you know, holiday party. Um, we, we really dialed, you know, really tightened those budgets so that we weren't spending money, you know, frivolously because we knew it was going to be tight. And through those efforts and, again, selling pint cups as a fundraiser, we were able to fully fund our, our giving committee uh, once again. So, you know, we had, we had budgeted for about for half of the budget that we're used to. Um, our full budget is around $30,000. So we were budgeting a significantly smaller, you know, amount last year. Uh, but through those efforts across a lot of people um, in the club, we were able to fully fund that and donate, you know, $30,000 to local charities and, and support them because, you know, they were having a hard time, obviously, you know, d- during all this. Um, and, and because of tough economic times for them and their normal donors and sponsors, you know, we really felt like we needed to, to step up and, and keep with our normal annual contributions to, to those frequent uh, recipients and, of course, new, new recipients every year. You know, we're, we're a major donor for Wart uh, Public Radio. For the Wilmar Center, where we hold our meetings, you know, they, they had just gone under a, a huge, huge remodel of, of that community center. And we made, over the last three years, made substantial donations separate from those normal rent and the other donations that we make uh, as part of their capital campaign fundraising program as well. So what I love about this event is that's the unsung component of it. And we've got four or five really big umbrellas or lanes of the highway that we're looking at. And they all kind of come under the big umbrella of social justice. And it could be uh, minority-owned businesses. It could be food insecurity. It could be female and children's safety. It could be a lot of things. It could be access, okay, to different things. It could be, you know, access to food. It could be access to housing, et cetera, et cetera. The ability to do that and the ability to tell that story and the ability to put on an event that for many of us that is one of the primary reasons to do it is uh, is not just a feel-good story, but is one of those times when you realize 
so-and-so just got flooded out of their house. So-and-so had to escape that situation with their children to go into a safe house. How do we help to fund those? So-and-so can't feed their children at the end of the month because the money ran out in week three. How do we help to fund those types of things instead of just giving money to larger causes? You know, these are Dane County causes. These are Madison causes. They are things that are all very, very, very um, near and dear to our hearts. And I will tell you right now, in our club, there are people that have availed themselves of our services, and that feels... Um, really close to the best it feels like we're doing the right thing and we're putting on an event not just to uh celebrate beer which it certainly is um and to celebrate the craft of what everybody is doing and the art of what everybody's doing but to uh make a difference at the same time yeah it's not it's not just a feel-good story it's a do-good story Absolutely. and you know and reminding everybody that you know we're, we're a not-for-profit organization so you know we're None, none of us are lining our pockets with, with, with selling tickets for the festival. You know, this is a 100% volunteer uh, organization, including Fred and me. You know, this is, this is for the love of, of beer and, and like we're talking about with, you know, community and community involvement and, and helping out the, those groups that help other people. I, I just, I love that aspect of it. I wanted to make sure that we, that we focused on that today. I guess we should also focus on the fact that there's a, a bingo game going on here at uh, Vino etc. <laughs> you might hear a little bit of that on the on the podcast here, but um, I, you know, to kind of wrap up here, we talk about it every year, and we're just wondering if you guys have any new tips on uh, attacking and surviving the festival. I'm going to say it again because I think I've said it every time. Hydration is very, very important. It's August. It's hot. That's why you have all those porta potties? Yes. <laughs> it is. Um, we're, once again, we'll have uh, water stations spread throughout the festival in the middle of uh, each tent. Um, so make sure you're swinging by and getting water on your way between between uh, a beer every now and then. Um, you might want you clean clean your glass out. There's there's no need to dump out that rinse water. Just you know, go ahead, rinse out that beer and. Put it down your gullet, fill another one of water, and then walk to the next brewery and, and then fill it up with, you know, with beer when you get there. Um, eat. Don't forget to eat. We've already talked about the food vendors. We have a, an amazing selection of uh, you know, classic American fare and a wide diversity of, of ethnic, uh, beers, or ethnic foods as well, along with some you know, festival treats, uh, that, you know, some deep-fried goodies as well. Um, you know, find some shade. Uh, we've got, you know, 150-year-old oak trees that provide gorgeous shade. You know, have a, have a seat for a little bit. Pull up a picnic table, bring a camp chair, talk to someone you don't know. Make make a new friend in line. You know, geek out on beer with somebody. Do the scavenger hunt. You know, the, the, goof, the goofy scavenger hunt, which has caught like a hundred people every year. And they're just like, I come for the scavenger hunt. I come to find the guy that's carrying the umbrella or who's got the, uh, you know, Dr. Doolittle uh, tattoo on his calf. You know, all the weird stuff that we do is for a reason. And it's to, uh, it's to have fun first and foremost, but it's also a distraction to keep everybody safe. You know, so have a conversation. So I, you know, I would echo uh, all the sentiments and all the things that Jason said, but uh, at the same time, have a conversation. Have a conversation with uh, your family and friends that you came with. Have a conversation with your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever the deal is. Um, talk to the breweries. Slow down. Breathe. Realize that you're <laughs> never going to get through it. And then I would even say, you know what? The bottom line is, lean in hard on something you don't think you like. So if you're an IPA drinker exclusively. Don't. Go somewhere else. Drink Kolsch's. Drink Pilsner's. Drink some crazy barrel-aged beers. Okay? If you're that unicorn guy, get off unicorns and do something else. 
Buy a rookie the, beer. Try something made with cucumber. The it garlic doesn't. oyster stuff. Yes. <laughs> those was guys. was actually really good. I'm telling you right now. Those guys. Radical effects. Unbelievable beer. Um, try beer with garlic. That is a really short search. You know, <laughs> in our app. Just, Beer's just made with garlic. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's a goal stuff. for next year is have more, more than one <laughs> garlic, garlic beer. <laughs> we should just give an award. That's garlic <laughs> beer. That seems very on brand. <laughs> so it's just, it's that notion of do, get out of your comfort zone. Okay. And, and that could be in food too. Okay. Why have a sub sandwich from the place that is in the town you live in when you can have some ethnic food and a, and a plate of something? Um, that you may have never had. Go stop intentionally and listen to all the music. We have thirty plus bands. I am gonna tell you something else that's coming back to the great taste Ooh, this year. A little breaking news. Silent on Disco okay. is coming back to the great taste. <laughs> Grab a beer and go watch Silent Disco for twenty minutes. If you don't pee your pants laughing, okay, <laughs> then get in and do it and embarrass your own damn self. You know, it's one of those great things. Jason and I have talked about this. If a brewer doesn't do it every year, I think we should. Because it's one of those great visual, all-encompassing, everybody can be involved in it kinds of things. And it's not a concert. It's just silly. Okay? <laughs> and it doesn't offend anybody because it's silent, silent. disco. <laughs> so it's that notion of just, you know, kind of get out of your own comfort zone. That, for me, is that that whole thing. Um, you know, go and talk to somebody. Introduce yourself. You know, tell people where you're from. Tell people what your capacity is for working for the event, for being, you know, a media person. For being somebody that does behind the table, do something different that you don't typically normally do um, in your daily life. And one of the things and that... And eat. Yes, eat. <laughs> uh, one of those things that can help you plan is the great app. Yep. Right? So, uh, big question is, when does it become available and uh, when does the actually uh, breweries and beer get filled in? Uh, traditionally, that's usually... a with usually the week of the great taste um we like to keep tight wraps on it just to kind of you know build the anticipation the suspense um you know we've got an earlier uh deadline for our print program this year so um not that you you won't see that until the festival anyway but we'll have that information you know a little bit earlier than we normally do so you know we you might see the app a little bit earlier but i would look for it you know that week of the great taste yep. Um, we'll we'll post the PDFs of the print program online as well. If you you know if that's your way of doing it, look you know looking at a bigger format map. That to me that's always been really helpful. You can you can print it out at work, and then you can <laughs> highlight all the you know the sta- all the the beer stations that you want to go to. So um, you know you can kind of plan your attack, and then you end up with a fully highlighted map, and you think I'm never going to get to all those places. But you know you're you're doing some work up front. Um, but yeah, no, we're we've got great partners with the app. Uh, with Fast Buddy, and they've done a great job. They've been really supportive. Um, you know, they've, I think they've developed their app a lot. We know with 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 running our event as well. Um, they've been great partners, and you know, by by including those descriptions of all those beers to make it searchable, to make it you know find a brewery quickly and pinpointing them, you know, marking them on a map in, in the app. Super easy way to, to you know to get around, and then you can swipe them off when you when you visit them. <laughs> I would say that typically our Android uh, comes out before our, uh, our yeah. Apple operating system comes through. So, yeah. you know, it could be Monday or Tuesday for Android. It could be Tuesday, Wednesday for the Apple one. Um, but, it, again, it just it builds anticipation. The nice thing about the app is it's, uh, it's eminently updatable uh, in the minute. 
So if a brewery rolls in on Friday, you may see beer updates on Friday night. Yeah, they, they actually have staff going around Saturday morning as breweries are setting up and making sure that those lists match. So they're actually updating it like real time that morning. So, you know, refresh the app when you get in and uh, you might see some things that weren't there a couple hours ago. Awesome. And Jason and I heard last week Wednesday at a meeting that I think we're way above 75%, maybe 78, 79% of the breweries have already filled in the information. I, I think we're in the 90s. Nine, now 90, wow. you know, a week later, less than a week later. Percentage, so we're in the 90s, yeah. percentage of breweries yeah. that are coming that have already filled it in, which is unheard of for people that make beer for a living. Yeah. Because they make beer for a living. They don't fill in spreadsheets. That's <laughs> <laughs> not what they do. So it's like pulling teeth. But the beautiful thing is that this year we got people in by uh, really sitting on them a little harder than we have in the past. So we've got a lot of good information. Short bullet points on the beer styles and, and, uh, and explanations, but really good intel on what the beers are. I think that's fantastic advice, and I'll I'll echo Fred's sentiment. Do not sleep on that uh, bacon on a stick. It is <laughs> mind blowing stuff. Um, I also, uh, echo what Jason said about staying hydrated. Jason, I think you coined the term on the podcast prehydration. Correct. Yep. <laughs> you make sure that you are drinking before the fest, after the fest, during the fest, at all times. Uh, fantastic advice uh, for any newbies and veterans. Uh, you know. And we've got don't don't always rely on getting that bottle of water while you're sitting in line you're going to get a bottle of water while you sit in line but bring a bottle of water as well bring something else that you can fill up again i'm going to ask you for maybe the fifth time that we've done this is it potable or potable it's 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 potable water and all the water running in the festival is all drinkable water we'll just use the word drinkable Drinkable. Uh, all the all the orange construction site coolers that's what it's there for they're running the rinsing stations that's all drinkable water. It's all coming off uh, city uh, city lines, and it's all running food safe hosing. So um, and extra filtered. And, and my, we changed the filters two and three times during the event. It's the dumbest thing ever, but it's the best thing ever because it proves the point when you see us change those filters. It, what city water actually it, looks like after it goes through a filter for two hours. It, it wow. might be the cleanest water flowing in Madison on that, that, day. On that day. I would drink it before Honest I drank out of my own sink. So, so it's one of those things. Plus, we'll have, um, we'll have all the hand sanitizer back again this year for people to feel, feel extra comfortable. And I just want to go out and say, you know, the bottom line is if you want to wear a mask because of where things are in the last couple of weeks um, with the new variant, no one's going to look at you funny in that event if you wear a mask and pull it down to drink. So feel free to do whatever you need to do to make your own self feel safe. Well, I think we're going to bring this in for a landing. Uh, it looks like we're out of beer, so uh, maybe we'll wander on up and uh, play a little bingo here. Perfect. <laughs> Guys, thanks for having us. Yeah. Jason and I know we oh. both appreciate it immensely. You've been a big partner for us, and we don't take that lightly. This has been so much fun. Every year, we, we look forward to meeting up with you guys. So thanks for taking the time. Uh, so for me, for Alex. Uh, this is Jim. Jason. Fred. And this has been yet another solid non-fail production. Thank you, guys. Thank you.